Okay, we're live. Welcome to the Daily Drop podcast, which is, in fact, a thing now. Long-awaited thing for Daily Drop. So uh, we'll do a a quick introduction, I guess, for this episode to address the fact that we now have this medium for content. But I'm Mike. I write the Daily Drop newsletter, and uh, I'm here with... Megan. That's me. I'm Megan. I uh, am the community manager around here at Daily Drop. And I feel like we need like confetti and fireworks <laughs> and like tigers crawling across the screen because this is so exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about this. It's been uh, on the books for a long, long time. And I think it's going to be a great way for us to just have some more in-depth conversation about travel hacking topics um, you know, address questions from the from the lounge, address newsletter questions, um, and just be able to speak a little more candidly, I guess, about some of these topics around credit cards, travel hacks, and, you know, life, and whatever else we feel like talking about on a given day. So, yeah. Uh, if you have no clue what we're talking about, <laughs> Daily Drop is uh, a newsletter, a daily travel hacking newsletter. Um, we publish five newsletters a week, Monday through Friday, under five minutes a day. So a nice quick newsletter to keep up to date on travel hacking stuff. And Megan is the community manager. We have a Facebook community with, what is it now, over 30,000 people? Yeah, over 35,000 35, people. Amazing. It's like the best travel hacking space on the I internet. I think so. I'm not biased <laughs> at all. Um, and you can find both of those things at... Um, yeah, on Facebook, it's just Daily Drop Lounge. Um, th- yeah. I don't know if there's a URL we can give people. We can drop that URL in the show oh, notes. Oh, yeah, we have show notes because this time. is a podcast. Sick. <laughs> uh, and you can subscribe to the Daily Drop newsletter at www.dailydrop.com. So I guess we should start the podcast now. Uh, that we got that out I think of the we way. should so what's I feel like yeah what better way to start it than like what's going on in our own travel worlds right sure <laughs> yeah I mean I'm I don't know if people have been following uh by reading daily drop you'll know that I'm on a seven week trip around the world currently in Cape Town South Africa uh approaching week seven I a week from today I'll start the journey home so it's been it's been a wild ride a lot of a lot of countries, a lot of great travel hacks. Um, but right now I'm staying at the the Hyatt Regency in Cape Town, which is fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's a category two Hyatt property. So it's, you know, not um, anything crazy. Um, it's It's fine. I think that's the best way to describe it, honestly. It's like pretty good but it's not super great like the location is okay the service is okay the rooms are kind of old they're okay so all around it's like an okay hotel at an okay price too because as a category two it only costs um around eight thousand hyatt points a night so yeah it's a good deal um and i flew here the other day from uganda using ethiopian airlines and uh i booked that with aeroplan points and as I wrote about in Daily Drop, um, found a really awesome hack with Ethiopian Airlines. They, if you book a flight with them and have an overnight layover in Addis Ababa, I don't know if you knew this, Megan, but Ethiopian gives you a free hotel for the night. Even if you're flying economy, even if you're using points, and even if you're booking it with random points like Air Canada points, Ethiopian still gives you a free hotel. And it's sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's extra sweet. I uh, only knew that because I read Daily Drop this morning. So make sure you stay in the loop, friends. <laughs> we, we'll we'll stop pitching our our newsletter. I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was a really pleasant surprise, and I still have another overnight layover in Addis Ababa on this trip on my way home. So it makes it just way better. Like I'm really looking forward to it now instead of dreading it, just knowing that. I'll get to crash in a hotel for free for the night. So, yeah, very excited about that. Megan, where where are you at these days? I am currently in my home base of sunny Orlando, Florida, uh, nice. kind of recovering and reflecting after a, a pretty big trip. <laughs> you could say that <laughs> if you want to fill people in uh, on why that was such a big trip, maybe. 
Yeah, I just took my entire family on their first international trip and I went and got myself married. So a destination wedding while showing, thank you, <laughs> uh, while showing my favorite humans in the world, one of my favorite places on earth. And I mean, it was just a really special trip all around for so many reasons and also some incredible travel hacks, which we might just need a whole other episode on breaking down some of the family travel hacks that I did during that trip. And yeah, just, I mean, that's <sighs> that's like legendary travel hacking status right there. I, you messaged me uh, early on in the trip and told me you got everyone in your how many people was it? Seven. So we brought sev- we booked a flight for seven people using points and then we brought all seven of them in their first airport lounge. Yeah, so that's crazy. <sighs> So how did you do that? (laughs) So the flight itself, we used Virgin Atlantic points and we did it while there was a transfer bonus going on. So I'll have to bring the number breakdown to another episode and just break down how you can do family travel in a way that that doesn't use all the points. Mm -hmm. I think we used 121,000 points for all seven tickets, which I feel like these days sometimes that you can only find one seat yeah for... <laughs> i was gonna say if you were using like delta miles that that'd be enough for yeah. like maybe one one ticket to europe these days exactly and exactly and then the the lounge we have that handy venture mm-hmm. x which sneaky little hack uh that priority pass that comes with venture x doesn't specify how many guests you can bring in and of course, that all depends on the lounge availability and all that jazz, but it worked. I put it to the test for you all. We brought all seven family members in on one lounge pass. Amazing. Completely for free. We'll see if they change their policy on that after that specific event. <laughs> I doubt many people have pushed it quite that far to the limit. So that's <laughs> impressive. But yeah, I think, I don't know, people, if you if you want to hear more about, you know, traveling with a huge party of people and just you know, large group travel hacks or family travel hacks, let us know, uh, reach out to us because yeah. I mean, Megan just sort of, uh, dabbled in that for quite a while with a huge party. So we got, we got hacks yeah. for you there, but I feel like I put all my travel hacking, like years of experience, <laughs> all your all training was leading moment. up to that moment. <laughs> yep. Well, where shall we start? I mean, we've already started. Let's talk but about what... I we so we're going to talk about uh, a deal that we think is worth paying attention to that just sort of was announced. We're going to talk about some credit card stuff, and then we're going to answer one of your questions. And I think we'll start with Hyatt's bonus journeys right now, which is um, which was just announced and hasn't started yet. But we want to tell you about it so that you can make some plans. So when it does start, you can maximize it because I think both of us are are pretty excited about this one. So the current bonus journeys deal is between the the, quali- the the specific dates when the promo starts and ends, for every three nights uh, you stay at Hyatt Hotels, you will get 3,000 bonus points, up to 21,000 bonus points. And if you have a World of Hyatt co-branded credit card you'll get an additional 1000 points also per three nights up to 7000 points and of course like any good hotel promo it's kind of obnoxiously complicated so let me clarify that so basically you can earn up to 4000 points for every three nights you stay up to 28000 points total and that is between Um, what are the dates for this? Let's see. So this is between October 6th and November 30th. So a pretty solid window uh, and definitely valuable points. But of course, the last time we had bonus journeys, it was way better because it was 3000 points for every two nights. uh, And then with another little bonus for having a credit card. So Megan, what do you think about it? Is this a good deal at all? I think anything with Hyatt is a good deal. Uh, I am a huge Hyatt fan. And I mean, you just can't beat like the redemptions you can get with Hyatt, mm-hmm. right? And so 3,000 points is a meaningful move when it comes to Hyatt versus some other hotel chains. If it, if I was getting 3,000 points, 
I would care, but I wouldn't be quite as excited. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it doesn't sound like a lot of points, but what you have to realize is that Hyatt points are harder to earn and you earn fewer of them. And so mm-hmm. 3,000 Hyatt points is like the equivalent just value-wise of maybe like, I don't know, 10,000 of some other hotel points, maybe even more, like 12,000 IHG or Hilton points or maybe like um, like 6,000 Marriott points or something. It, it's, I mean, we don't have to get into the I don't the know, weeds, when, but... you, when you said Hilton, I was like maybe 120,000 <laughs> Hilton points. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen a Hilton property cost fewer than 70,000 points in a while. So, um, but Hyatt... Hyatt is valuable because they have an award chart still. So unlike the other programs that are going to just charge you, like we just said with Hilton, pretty much whatever they want. Uh, If the cash price is higher, the points price will be higher. Hyatt has a fixed chart. um, And that is divided into standard peak rates and off-peak rates. And so there's a little bit of wiggle room in terms of what the price will be. But the points price for a room is never going to go above the amount on that chart. And so, like I said, the hotel that I'm in right now is a category two. Um, And so there's a fixed points price that this will cost as a category two. And you can go online and Google Hyatt's award chart. But that's why we value Hyatt points above other ones and why even though we're just talking about like a few thousand bonus points for every few nights here, it's actually really, really valuable. And when you calculate how many points you earn per dollar spent. Um, thousands of points is significant. Like you're multiplying the amount of points you're earning from a given stay in most cases because you just don't earn that many Hyatt points. And there aren't as many ways to transfer to Hyatt because um, you can only do it from Chase Ultimate Rewards or Built Rewards. So they're they're scarce. Uh, Hyatt points are hard to come by these days. So I think yeah. we're both... Uh, sort of take them where we can get them so yeah yeah this is one of those promotions where I wasn't planning on doing any travel in the next couple of months but (laughs) yeah I mean if you can get a a solid rebate like uh, for reference like 3,000 points is almost enough for a category one Hyatt hotel which at the minimum costs um, 3,500 points per night and so if you can get you can think about it as almost getting a potential free night Um, for every three nights you stay like buy three get one free and the cool part about this one actually too is award nights also count so this is not just cash stays so if you're spending points you're also getting these bonus points back so you can it's literally just like a rebate on the amount of points you're using for a given stay which is awesome yeah not to open up a whole Hyatt rabbit hole but I think that's like one of the reasons I like Hyatt because I feel like so many of their promos also count towards award stays so you're just like maximizing all around yeah exactly Hyatt is one of the few programs where where award stays usually count um towards their promotions which is I don't think any other I haven't seen any other hotel chain do something like that at least for a while so yeah yeah definitely worth considering and if you have hotel stays coming up definitely search around on Hyatt if you can find Hyatt properties for a similar price or the same price ideally as what you already have booked then you know switch your stays over and and rack up some of those sweet sweet Hyatt points sweet all right should we shift over to our card showdown yeah so this is something that I have wanted to do in daily drop for a while but it's just hard uh because we just don't have a ton of space to write and the banks are a little, uh, you know, they don't, they don't love it when we talk casually about, about their cards the way I like to talk in Daily Drop. So yeah, basically what we're going to do here is we're going to take two popular cards that people are debating between all the time. They're saying, which one should I get? What are the differences? Um, and we're going to just sort of break down our thoughts between the two. And those two cards are the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And Mike, was it like semi-exciting that you got to say the card? <laughs> I can't tell you how good it feels to be able to just, it's a, yeah, it's very freeing to just be able to say the names of credit cards. And if you read Daily Drop the newsletter, you'll know exactly what we're talking about here. But um, yeah, so we're going to talk about 
just the differences between them. Um, my opinion on this has definitely changed recently and mm-hmm. maybe like which card is right for which person. And maybe if you're lucky at the end of this whole thing, we'll give you a, an answer on what we think is the better card. Maybe we won't though. You just have to keep listening to find out. <laughs> What a promise. <laughs> it was like an, an anti-promise. It was a very soft promise. But so uh, let's see. I think generally speaking, so to break it down, the Chase Sapphire Preferred is has a $95 annual fee. It's the lower tier of the two. Um, the Chase Sapphire Reserve has a $550 annual fee. Ugh, that's crazy. Um, they have different... Or is it? What? Or is it? <laughs> exactly. Or is it? And uh, they have different sets of perks, uh, but they both earn the same type of points, which is Chase Ultimate Rewards. And those are points that you can transfer to partners like Hyatt, as we mentioned earlier, or a whole slew of other ones, uh, airlines and hotel programs. And you can use them in the Chase portal, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, generally speaking, though, I don't know, Megan, but I feel like most people always kind of lean towards the Chase Sapphire preferred. And I think the reason for that is that like, it's a really good card, especially for a $95 card. And like the incremental value you get from the Chase Sapphire reserve isn't worth the the extra annual fee, which is pretty significant. Yeah. Especially when there's other, premium cards out there that can give you the same or similar benefits that the reserve does but then you have your little chase gem Mm -hmm. in your in your chase (laughs) that yeah i I have an obsession over right yeah we were talking earlier about how we just feel safe having more chase cards (laughs) or what i just like it I just it like just having as many chase cards as possible. I just trust yeah. I trust <laughs> him, you know. It's a it's a solid uh bank, solid points currency to be earning, so and I feel like you can never have enough of them. So there's there's just something special about chase. But that is actually a good point. Like we can't have both of these cards. So you cannot hold both the chase Sapphire preferred and reserve. You used to be able to, as Megan can attest, cuz she did. Yeah, I used to have both and I miss it. (laughs) So you can only have one um, and that's why you sort of do need to choose between them. Um, Personally, right now, I think we both have the preferred, but I've been toying recently with the idea of upgrading my preferred to the reserve and I'll tell you why. So one of the biggest perks of the reserve card is that it comes with a priority pass membership with unlimited... Uh, lounge visits to priority pass lounges and a lot of other credit cards come with that for sure so for example if you have like the mx platinum card or the venture x like we said earlier which is what megan used to get a whole bunch of people into the lounge a bunch of cards have unlimited visits to lounges but what the chase sapphire reserve has is the ability to access priority pass restaurants and this is i feel like an underrated perk of the card because basically priority pass isn't just airport lounges sometimes you can use them at restaurants and airports and it'll basically give you an amount of money to spend equivalent to what it would cost to pay for a lounge visit which is a fixed rate by priority pass right now it's i think 32 dollars, and so when you go to a priority pass restaurant you essentially can spend up to 32 dollars and just get that as flat like cash toward your bill so if you have a 35 dollar bill you'll just pay $3 on that. Um, and I think that's a sweet perk because first of all, in my home airport of Toronto, there's a priority pass restaurant. And so um, right now I don't have a credit card that lets me use that restaurant and I could definitely get value out of it because I think something that a lot of people get frustrated by these days is that lounges are so overcrowded, especially in the U.S., that having another way to like get some free food and probably better food in most cases than what you'll find in a lounge too, and maybe just like a quieter environment is actually really appealing. Um, And you also obviously have the option to just go to the lounge as well if you want to. It's not like it's replacing that. 
Yeah, I actually forgot how much I liked that perk until you mentioned it this morning. And I remembered when I had the Sapphire Reserve and I was at London Gatwick, also notoriously known for lounge overcrowding, (laughs) but I could get a free meal and Mm -hmm. it just made me less sad. (laughs) I couldn't get into a lounge. I never expect to get into a lounge because it's a perk Mm -hmm. and if it is overcrowded, it is what it is. But to be able to get a free meal, it made it a little sweeter. So it is, I would agree, it's an underrated perk. Yeah. And and that also works for guests, by the way. So like if you you have um, a priority pass, I I guess with the reserve, I don't remember how many guests you get. But basically, if you're allowed two guests into the lounge uh, with priority pass and you get access to priority pass restaurants, then each like guest we'll get that $32 towards a meal. So as a group, if you uh, if you and a guest go in uh, to a Priority Pass restaurant, you would get $64 toward your bill, which is sweet. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great perk. So that's a big one for me uh, that's making me lean toward upgrading my card because it, it provides something that no other card I have currently provides. And so that's a good reason. But one of the down like one of the things that makes it really hard to do that is the annual fee. So how do we how do we justify that ridiculous $550 annual fee? Are you asking me how we justify I am. it? You're the yeah. one that wants to shift. I was teeing, teeing <laughs> you up there. I I clearly <laughs> caught on to that. <laughs> um well, I think when it comes to any annual fee, you have to look at those perks and benefits to see, for me, that's what I do at least, to see how you can balance out the um, annual fee that you are paying. And with the Chase Sapphire Reserve, particularly, there's a pretty sweet credit that comes with it, which is a $300 travel credit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's those really tangible annual fees that make it a easeful for me to balance out. So we're talking about this kind of priority pass restaurant perk, which is awesome. But like I said a moment ago, I never expect to get into a lounge. So I'm looking at what are those actual tangible fees that we're getting in the $300 annual travel credit is pretty exciting because unlike a certain credit you get with the Venture X card, this $300 travel credit with the reserve can be used on any travel Mm -hmm. purchases it's not restricted to the portal it's not restricted to using that in a certain place you can use it on anything in the travel category i mean if we look at just that perk alone and that's not the only one um it balance it counterbalances that 550 dollar annual fee quite nicely i know i think you have another favorite perk that comes with the the sapphire reserve don't you do i (laughs) i mean a few Um, but I, so the travel credit though is a huge one because right away (laughs) you're like taking off more than half of that $550 annual fee. And not only can you just use it on anything like Megan said, but it's just triggered automatically. So just by spending money on travel categories, that credit will, like, if you just make like a $37 purchase at a hotel or like an airline or something with your card, you'll just get a credit for that immediately up until you reach a total amount of credits of $300. So you don't have to work at all for it. And as long as you spend $300 a year on travel purchases, which I think most people who would get this card, and certainly most of you probably do, like that's not that much. And so the fact that it just sort of automatically happens, it's no effort required. And it's on a very general category that a lot of people will already be spending $300 in. You can almost think of it as like cash, just like reducing the annual fee, um, which yeah. I really like. And then you're down to, let's say, like a net of $250 annual fee. But we also have to talk about the Chase Sapphire Preferred because there's also a credit for that as well. And that is not quite as exciting or easy to use, but it's a $50 hotel credit that you can use in the Chase Ultimate Rewards portal. And so you have to book it um, through your your Chase account. Um, But it's $50 toward a hotel on a $95 card. So much like the reserve, you're cutting the annual fee 
in more than like it's less than half of what it started at if you can use that credit and again as long as you're spending like $50 a year on hotels very easy to use that credit in my opinion and then you're down to a $45 annual fee so even though the Chase Sapphire Reserve has a great credit you're still looking at like a 250 net annual fee versus a $45 net annual fee um yeah so but thankfully there are more perks to make that $250 annual fee worth it, I think. And one of those is, so we talked about how you can transfer Chase Ultimate Rewards points, but you can also use them in the Chase portal. So basically you can redeem points at a fixed rate. And even though you're earning the same point currency between these two cards, the the amount of money you can redeem them for varies between the two cards. So with the Chase mm-hmm. Sapphire Preferred, how much, what is it? 1.25. 1.25 cents per point. That's fine. It's okay. You know, it's like if you have a ton of ultimate rewards and you find some good deals, it's fine. But the Chase Sapphire Reserve lets you redeem them for 1.5 cents each, yep. um, which is actually really good. Like one of the better values for just like using bank points in a portal. Um So that's a really solid perk because automatically your points just are more valuable. Even though you're earning the same type of points currency, the points just become more valuable because you're earning them on this card as opposed to the Chase Sapphire Preferred. So that's a huge perk, I think. Um, Another vote for the reserve. Yeah. I mean, at 1.5, you're getting close to like what you would want for transfer point value, right? Right. So pretty sweet. Generally speaking, like by transferring points, you can usually get ideally around two cents per value in point obviously it's like that's a huge question i mean that's a a good topic actually for another podcast like how how do you value points yeah put it on the agenda um but uh, generally speaking like two cents per point is a good solid value to get um so the fact that you can do that in-house with chase and get 1.5 cents without needing to transfer without needing to look for award availability without needing to deal with any of the extra hassle of transferring points, you can still get almost as good a value. Solid perk for sure. Yeah. But I think yeah. solid perk for sure. <laughs> I think one of the the big differences though between these two cards is the earning rates. The earning mm-hmm. rates on the reserve are actually kind of nuts, um, to be quite frank. So Basically, both of these cards earn bonus points when you book travel through the Chase portal. Um, But those amounts differ. So on the reserve, you're going to get 5x ultimate rewards points when you book flights through the Chase portal. And you'll earn 10x when you book hotels and car rentals through the Chase portal, which is awesome. I mean, any card that you can be earning 10x points, especially transferable points, is... um, like amazing and there are a few cards that offer 10x on various categories but chase ultimate rewards points are i think one of the more valuable maybe the most valuable points currency and so earning Mm -hmm. 10x on hotels and car rentals amazing and then a big one for me personally like one of the reasons again that i'm thinking of upgrading my card personally is that you earn 3x points on general travel with the chase sapphire reserve Mm -hmm. and that's not like crazy more because the Chase Sapphire Preferred earns 2X on travel. But I was just like thinking about the amount of money I spend on a card on travel in a given year. And that extra 1X would actually just give me a ton more value over the course of a year. And so we're talking about like how to justify the extra annual fee over the course of a year. That's a lot of extra points that go towards that annual fee. Yeah, I think this is like one of the mistakes people make when it comes to travel hacking is underestimating the power of something like 1x extra. Mm -hmm. And it is those like small point multipliers that make a difference. When you compound small points together, you end up having big lump sums of points. Yeah, totally. I I think that's like not to go on on a tangent off the topic, but a lot of people ask me, and you, I think, like, I got this card, I got the the sign-up bonus, it was great, 
but now what do I do? I just, what do I do? Just close it and keep signing mm-hmm. up for cards for the rest of my life? And the answer is no. Like if you get strategic, like thinking about earning points the way we're talking about it now, where we're breaking down like, oh, I kind of want to switch to this card because it has this extra earning rate. And I know that based on how much I spend in this category, that extra earning rate would add a lot of extra points and therefore add a lot of extra value and offset the annual fee. Getting analytical with that is a great way to to like continue earning lots of points after a sign-up bonus. So that's just yeah. a little side note there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I started this uh, showdown thinking, no, nah, 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 I'm going to keep my Sapphire Preferred. <laughs> Yeah. And now I'm kind of thinking about that Sapphire Reserve. Uh, I have a feeling that's going to happen in a lot of these episodes, though. I'm going to come in with one opinion and then be like, oh, yeah, I mean, changing whole strategy. I I'm, I feel like I'm really just like convincing myself that it's an OK choice. Here. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, oh, I want to do that, but it's so much money. And now I'm just sort of justifying it. Um but I mean, it's it's true though. I mean, all of these things are great. So for example, if we're just looking at the net annual fee, we'll call it in quotes, net annual fee um, of like $250 for the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And we think that for that net $250 annual fee, we're getting unlimited priority pass visits, including restaurants. Imagine you go to a priority pass restaurant, let's say three times in a year, already you're at like a hundred bucks of value that you can shave off of that annual fee. Um, and then the extra points you'll accumulate. Um, like think about it. Think about if you earn 10 X on just a handful of purchases uh, of like hotels and car rentals, which usually aren't tiny purchases either, you know? So we're talking about like hundreds of dollars earning 10 X earning thousands of extra points, not to mention the incremental, extra earnings of the general travel category that annual fee is like getting pretty darn close to to zero um for me especially because of two other things um (laughs) one of which is i think one of the bigger selling points for the chase sapphire reserve that a lot of people talk about which is the insurance benefits we won't go into the the weeds here um but basically it has some of the strongest travel insurance on the market and so that's for trip cancellation trip delay that's for car rental insurance i think it has some of the best car rental insurance of of any card out there and i i love uh credit card insurance because i've just had a number of instances where it saved my butt and just like one solid use, like you hope you never have to use it, but once you do use it, man, does that annual fee seem fine? <laughs> like when it, when you just save hundreds of dollars because of something stupid that an airline does or like a, a delay of some kind, or, you know, hopefully it never happens. But if you're in some kind of collision with a rental car, even a minor one, you can get charged up the wazoo by a car rental company. Um, and so to just like have that covered and the peace of mind of having insurance coverage while traveling, I think that like, that's just a huge, huge selling point for me. Like, have, I don't know, do you, how do you value travel insurance? Have you ever had to use credit card travel insurance? I, have I ever had to use it? I don't, oh, let me go back in my travel archives in my <laughs> mind. I don't know that I've ever actually had to use it, but like we've shared in a masterclass that we've done in the past, I've never bought additional insurance because I feel so confident in the insurance that I do have mm-hmm. with my cards. Yeah. And just that peace of mind in itself, even though it's not that tangible value, it's still value mm-hmm. because I'm saving money by not having to get an extra policy. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I, I think that that's a huge part of it. Like the, the mental burden of wondering, like, like if you don't have any insurance coverage and you're just driving a rental car or, you know, you have a bag that gets lost, like the idea of not having any recourse in the event of something Mm -hmm. bad happening while traveling is a really nice thing to not have to worry about at all. And so travel insurance is great. And of course, if you use it, then it just pays for itself sometimes many times over. So that's a big selling point of the the sapphire reserve which i think at this point we all know uh i'm just gonna get at this point Uh, (laughs) um but 
another thing to keep in mind is that with both of these cards, you will get a sign-up bonus when you get the card. So what does that look like right now, Megan? Both sign-up bonuses are the same right now. So both sign-up bonuses are offering 60,000 bonus points after you spend $4,000 in the first three months. However, we have to go back and think about that perk that you were talking about uh, not long ago, Mike, to remember that when you have that Sapphire Reserve, those 60,000 bonus points can be worth a little bit more. Totally. But even still... I would kind of hope that the extra, like, f- how how much the extra like four hundred fifty five dollars of annual fee. I kind of want a little more in my sign up bonus, even if the points are worth more with the Chase Sapphire Preferred. It's kind of weird to like. I know Capital yeah. One does this too with like the Venture X and the Venture Card. A lot of the time, they're exactly the same, um, but they do fluctuate. And I think usually it's the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Weirdly that often has the elevated signup offer. So I think for me personally, like, okay, let me, let me ask you this. If, if you were choosing between these two cards, regardless of signup bonus, which one would you want more? Like which one oh, is your favorite at this on point? The spot. I mean, historically I've chosen the Chase Sapphire preferred after but what about this episode, now? <laughs> <laughs> he's not trying to sway my answer in any direction. Come on, work with me here. No, if if both sign up bonuses are the same though, and you're looking at perks and benefits alone, I think the Sapphire Reserve is the clear winner. Agreed. Now let me ask you this: If the Chase Sapphire Preferred had a sign up bonus of ninety thousand points, and the Reserve was still at sixty then what would you do? I feel like, by the way, if this wasn't a video podcast, people might think you were holding up a sign. Like, <laughs> pick the reserve. <laughs> uh, no, if so it was 90,000 for the preferred and 60,000 for the reserve. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would, I would pick the preferred. Yeah. Those chase points. Uh, chase points have been my most reliable points since I started travel hacking in 2017. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, like you can throw a lot of this out the window if you're looking at getting one of these cards for the first time and the preferred has just like a much higher sign up bonus which it often does you can always mm-hmm. upgrade to the reserve down the road so you might as well get the extra you know 30 sometimes even 40,000 points cuz the sapphire preferred has gone up to 100,000 points in recent memory so it's not it's not unheard of and not yeah. unlikely that it will again and in that case there's just so much extra value to get from those points that like make a lot of these nuanced benefits and stuff like that not meaningless but it, like you can always get them in the future so you might as well get the extra fat stack of points while you can in my opinion. Yeah, this this brings up a question I get a lot. I'm curious your thoughts on it. Would you wait it out until there was that elevated sign-up bonus? Ooh. Like if someone has neither of these cards right now and both sign-up bonuses are sitting at the same, what would you do? That's a tough question. I would, personally, what I would do is look at historically, like when did the last elevated sign-up bonus end, for example, um, with the Chase Sapphire Preferred? Like was it two weeks ago that it was at 90,000 points or was it two months ago that it was at 90,000 points? If it was two months, I might wait it out because there's a good chance um, uh, some the offer is going to go up relatively soon again because it usually does at least a couple times a year um, go up to 90 or 100,000 points or, or 80,000 points even is better as well. Uh, if it was like two weeks, like if I just missed the boat, I wouldn't necessarily wait because think about the like, you're, there's an opportunity cost if you wait five months to get a car just to get a higher sign-up bonus. Think about all the points you're not earning during those five months. And honestly, like it probably would balance out <laughs> to about the the difference of the points you'd get from the sign-up bonus. So I wouldn't like personally dwell on that too, too much, but I would look at the historic offers um, and make a judgment call from there. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I'm constantly reminding people in the lounge, like, 
don't try to read the bank's minds. Yeah. It's just it's a, it's a losing game. <laughs> yeah, just when you think you've got it, they just throw in that curveball. Yeah, I, I feel like they just have like a, a room where they're like, all right, all right, boys, what are we doing today? And they just like roll the dice. And they're like, oh, looks like uh, Chase Sapphire preferreds up to 90,000. Sweet, let's go. <laughs> like there's sometimes it just feels like there's no rhyme or reason to it. But yeah, don't try to read the bank's mind. But you can sort of play with the yeah. timing a little bit, just like use some. I don't know. It's it's up to you. But so I think yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like my decision's been made. Um and I'm probably just going to upgrade my card to the reserve. I just I I always was afraid of that annual fee and was just like, "Eh, it's they're pretty much the same. Why would I pay so much extra?" But they're really not the same. Like the earning rates, the extra credits, the priority pass that offers something that other priority passes don't, the insurance coverage, the redemption value of ultimate rewards, it's pretty solid. So I think I'm going to go for it. So are you going to keep your other premium cards too? So you, I know you have the Platinum. Mm-hmm. You love the Platinum. You have the Venture X? I don't yes. have the Venture X, actually. You nope. don't have the Venture X. Okay. So your Platinum is the only other kind of comparable? Uh-huh. I, for now... Yes, and I also have Canadian cards that that have right. priority pass memberships too. So I think basically for me, I'll keep my, I think the Platinum card is like the main competitor at this point in my wallet. And I'll keep the Platinum card as long as I get like a good net value out of it based on the credits, which again is another topic (laughs) it's a whole other uh rabbit hole we can go down but basically as long as the credits pretty strongly outweigh the annual fee i'll keep doing it if it gets like close to even where like i'm barely breaking even i'll close it because even then it's like i'm putting in work and time to make those credits happen Mm -hmm. so i have to be getting like a pretty solid uh, net value from it but for now i'm definitely going to hold on to it i do like amex offers too i find that Mm -hmm. like there's some good offers that come on throughout the year. And again, much like with the insurance, if you get, if you take advantage of one solid Amex offer and can save like hundreds of dollars, that alone, just like once a year or twice a year can, can really make a dent in that annual fee. So yeah. And ultimate rewards um, and membership rewards obviously have different transfer partners too. So I want to make sure that I, between the platinum card and the gold card, you know, and Amex's other cards that I have some card that's earning membership rewards. So as long as I have one of those in the wallet at all times too, then, then I'm good. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I have some decisions to sit with there because I currently have the Platinum and the Venture X. So does a third premium card make sense? Yeah. Not so much. No. And I think, gosh, we could we could open a whole other episode, jotting notes of future episode topics <laughs> as we go here. Yeah, we should probably start I'm having a... Um, we should. I'm having a bit of a, a hate relationship with my Amex Platinum. Oh, yeah? So oh, may- no. maybe an episode to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me know if you if you need someone to talk to you about that. It's it's hard. <laughs> Thanks for the support. <laughs> <laughs> First world problems. <laughs> my Amex Platinum card is stressing me out. <laughs> well, okay. That was fun. Um, but we're running out of time. And so I'm going to to move us on now that I feel like we've we've settled on where we're both at with that. And so we're going to take a question that has come from the Daily Drop Lounge, which is the Facebook community. Uh, but if you have questions that you want us to answer on a future episode, um, shoot, you know, we should have made like an email address or something for the podcast. Uh, we'll do that for next time. But for now, just, uh, you know, respond to a Daily Drop email or hit us up in the lounge. Uh, or leave a review um, for this podcast and ask a question there. That's a good way to get it to our attention. But here is a question that came from Jacinda in the lounge. And here's what Jacinda wants to know. They say, I've been a longtime Delta fan. Sorry to hear that. Um, I know I'm in the minority. I've enjoyed their product and benefited from free upgrades in the past. The world of travel hacking has opened my eyes to see the true potential value in each accumulated mile and where it could get me. For example, we just flew Delta and accumulated 3,500 miles for the trip. Contemplating if I should be collecting those as Virgin Atlantic miles instead, 
as we can fly from our home airport to Europe through Virgin for just 15,000 points. Does anyone fly Delta frequently but collect Virgin Atlantic points instead? Megan, I know you're a fan of both Virgin and Delta. What do you choose to collect? Thank you. Well, thank you, Jacinda, for the question. And you came to the right person. And that right person is Megan because I don't fly Delta or Virgin very often. Um, but Megan, you you probably have some opinions on this topic, especially with recent news out of Delta. So I'm also really curious to hear your your take on this. Yes. So it's no secret that I get like attached on a brand and I'm I'm a I'm a pretty like I'm a brand loyalist through and through. Like once I find something I like, I I'm sticking with them and Delta is my preferred US domestic airline and Virgin I fly at at minimum once a year. Um so yes, these are these brands are my jam. So the thing is though with Delta, I like Delta the airline, but I don't like Delta the miles. <laughs> yep. That's the <laughs> But I do I do like Virgin Miles mm-hmm. because you can get some pretty sweet redemptions when it comes to Virgin Atlantic. So while I fly Delta a lot, something like Delta Elite status or just earning a bunch of Delta miles isn't something that's of interest to me. But since I fly Virgin Atlantic one, two times a year, and I really care about those miles, I really care about those redemptions, I'm going to choose Virgin, earning Virgin Atlantic miles because it makes sense for me and my circumstances. And I think when it comes to like choosing an airline in an alliance, you have to think about what is your ultimate goal when earning miles on flights. If your ultimate goal is earning elite status, probably don't choose Delta, but... <laughs> yep. <laughs> You want to pick that carrier airline that you're going to earn your elite status with. But if you care more about redemptions, looking at what is that airline in the alliance that you are going to use those redemptions with, I think that's what it comes down to. So if that's Virgin for you, which it sounds like Jacinda, that's an important airline for you as well. That's probably the way to go. Another great one in Sky Team to earn miles on is Flying Blue, Mm -hmm. another great um, airline for redemptions and a great place to put your Delta miles. Yeah, I, I agree. And that actually brings up something good to to clarify. So what Jacinda is referring to is that because Delta and Virgin Atlantic are part of the Sky Team Alliance, you can mm-hmm. earn and redeem miles between those two airlines and a whole bunch of other ones. So basically, normally when you fly on Delta, you earn Delta Sky miles, but you can choose instead to earn miles with a different airline that's in the same alliance or that's like a partner airline. And this goes for any airline. So even when you're flying some obscure airline in a random country in the world, you can choose if you have a frequent flyer number that they partner with to earn miles in that currency. And so that's just like a quick recap of like what exactly that is. But yeah, I think because um, Jacinda, like if you can fly Virgin Atlantic from your home airport, that's a low lift. Like that's convenient. You don't have to set up positioning flights and things like that. And especially with the changes that Delta just announced. So first of all, I think Delta Sky Miles, I don't think there's any, it's any secret that they're like way less valuable (laughs) than other points. Um, Especially if you're trying to go to Europe, which with Virgin Atlantic, um, as Jacinda said, you can get there, they can get there from their home airport for 15,000 points. You can get there from the East Coast of the US for 10,000 points in economy. If there's a transfer bonus, even less than that. Um, with Flying Blue, also frequently there are awards from the US to Europe for just 11,250, um, sometimes a little more. It varies every month with their promo rewards. Both of those are great Sky Team options where, like, think about it. If you, Jacinda said they earned 3,500 delta miles from this trip imagine if you earned 3500 flying blue miles if you just do that a few times that's a flight to europe right there for 11,000 flying blue miles whereas with delta it varies but i can tell you one thing you're not going to get to europe for 11,000 delta miles or anywhere in the world for 11,000 no. delta miles so no. yeah i think megan is right it, it obviously depends on you but some miles are just worth way more than others. And if you look at redemption values and things like that and what air, uh, airlines you have from your home airport, as you mentioned, Jacinda, um, 
that it's like a convenient option too, in addition to being good value, then yeah, I think earning Virgin Miles is a great choice and definitely look into flying blue as an option as well. Like we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this pulls us all the way back to our full circle beginning of the conversation when I shared that I got seven seats for 121,000 miles mm-hmm. uh, US to Europe. That would be one ticket on right. Delta US to Europe. So that just shows the the power of those miles and and where your earning potential exactly. is. Exactly. And, and like Megan said too, like you're not going to get, it, it's pretty much impossible now to earn Delta elite status. So it's not like, mm-hmm. um, you're like working towards something that's feasible with Delta either. Like investing in, in them at this point is pretty worthless, but they do have a great product to fly. So it's a great option to fly and then earn a currency that actually means something now like Virgin or flying blue. So yeah, I yeah. think that's, that just about covers it. We won't go down the Delta rabbit hole because everyone else in the world is going down the Delta rabbit hole, but just Google it if you want a, a quick uh, the spiel on what's happened with Delta. We wrote a daily drop newsletter about it too that you can look up. But I think that takes us to the end. We did it. We did our first podcast episode. Our first podcast episode. I hope it was okay. <laughs> um, but let us know what, what you think about it. So, uh, you know, wherever you're listening to this, if anyone's listening to this, please subscribe if you want more episodes. Uh, and leave us a review so we know what you like and what you don't like and what you want to hear more of. And if you have questions, all of the above, let us know. Leave a review. That's a great way to, to tell us. And if you want more travel content to supplement this podcast, you can find us at www.dailydrop.com where you can subscribe to the newsletter or on Facebook, link in the show notes. Um, to join the Daily Drop Lounge, where you can connect with all kinds of other travelers and Megan and myself and join us for things like masterclasses, uh, download a bunch of great travel resources. It's an awesome place. So you should do that. It really is. Thanks for hanging out with us, friends. We can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.